the third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! As the Orange do it again, the cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to check in on a, I was going to say a big Cuse victory over the weekend, Seth. Uh, more like an important Cuse victory over the weekend. It, it was so very important to avoid what would have been a bad loss on the resume. Um, we'll get more into that, certainly, as the show moves along. Plus, your phone calls welcome at any time. Adrian Autry set to join us at 12.15. We'll get uh, Red's thoughts, Red's takeaways uh, from that win over the weekend. That was my number one takeaway, Seth, is that you avoid the bad loss. You avoid getting swept by the second-to-last team in the ACC. I know statistically right now Georgia Tech is considered their their worst loss on their resume, at least that was a road game, and at least you didn't play them twice. If you had lost to Wake twice, and they went to three and ten in conference play, and two of those three wins came against you, their RPI would be so good. Well, that's the kind of loss though that keeps you out of the tournament, right? Yeah. I mean, no, that, that win's not going to get you in, but but especially that second loss at the end of the day could keep you out of the tournament. So for me, that was that was the biggest takeaway: is that you avoid a bad loss, and the rest of the way, I mean, you're playing teams all with RPIs in the top 100. So no more opportunities for bad losses the rest of the way. Even once you get to the ACC tournament, you're not going to suffer a bad loss. So that's good news. Well, unless you draw a pit. Which, like, right now they well, very well could in that 10-15 game. If they fell, right. They're tied for eighth right now in, yeah. in the conference, and they've got NC State but even on tie, Wednesday. But even tiebreakers can knock you down to, you know, 10th. Right. If, if you're they, tied it, for eighth, you're tied with two other people. You could get knocked down to 10th easy. Sure. If the conference tournament started today, they'd be playing NC State Yes, uh, in the 8-9 matchup. But in any event, yes, it, your, your point is well taken. Should they lose some games down the stretch and, and fall in the standings, they would have to take care of business in that first game. But as it stands right now, they would avoid playing a, a, a bad opponent, and they would, uh, at the present time anyway, get that 8-9 matchup. Uh, so that was takeaway number one for me, was that you know you, you avoid the bad loss to Wake Forest. The second takeaway was, for the second game in a row, the offense looks competent. 78 points for the second game in a row. You shot better than 45%. Shot 44% against Louisville. Shot, what, 46% in this game. The offense looks good. Now, is some of that, you know, Wake Forest isn't very good defensively? Maybe. We know Louisville's pretty good defensively, though. Um, couple that with the BC game that we saw a couple weeks back. They, they've now played in their last six, and I realize those middle three were really bad offensively, where they, they shot just a shade over 30% in those games combined. Um, the other three, they've shot the ball extremely well, and they've been very efficient. So It helps I think when you get 34 from your best player. There are encouraging signs, but it was more than him. No, it was more it, it than was. him. It, it, was, was, than oh, him. it absolutely was, but it, it makes everything look better. Look, they, they played a good offensive game again. Uh, you know, th- There's no way around it. If the offense is going to keep playing like it did yesterday, like it did earlier last week against Louisville, they're going to win some games. Is it going to be enough to to get you into the tournament? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Who knows, right? I mean, they they've got to beat, uh, you know, a UNC, a Duke, a Miami, uh, Clemson. You know, they they've got to win one or two of those games in order to get in. And this offense, at least, you feel like you've got a shot. 
right? Like at least at least you think you've got a chance of beating one of those teams if you show up with that team that played yesterday. And yes, battle looked great, and I get that. Um, everybody else, though, combined was forty one percent from the field. So everybody else was good too. Yeah, and and we talked about that, and we have talked about. It. You know, battle's going to be there. Now is he going to get you thirty four every night? No, he is capable of, of doing that, as we've seen. We saw him, you know, go off against Florida State. We certainly saw him go off yesterday against Wake. But in order to win these games, they need the other guys to to do their job. And you know, Jerry said it last week. You need fifteen to twenty out of. You know, for lack of a better term, the role players, you know, the Chukus and Dolajais and, and Moyers, you know, obviously Moyer didn't play, Sidibe. And that's that's what they got. They got 17 out of out of the rest. You know, aside from the big three, they got 17. And those 17 points, again, were, were a difference. I'm not going to say the difference. Tyus Battle was the difference in this game. But they were a difference. And you have that cushion because... You know, Chuku and Dolajai and Sidibe are contributing here and there. We we saw, you know, and, and we've seen it, I think, in the last couple of games, Seth, on the pick and roll. It's not always Battle and Howard keeping it and trying to do something themselves. They are they are now dishing to the big guy, and, and whether that's Sidibe or Chuku and or, or Dolajai for that matter, and they're able to make a play. And that is a, a change. I mean, we saw, you know, Battle had four assists. Yeah. He's not known as an assist guy, but when he passes like that, and obviously he was shooting the ball incredibly well, he draws a lot of extra attention, and when the other guys are able to make plays, yes, it makes the offense flow a lot better and look a lot better on that end of the floor. He accounted for 43 points. Uh, three of his assists were on two-pointers. One was on a three, so that's an extra nine points on top of his 34. He accounted for 43 points. That's unbelievable. Uh, you know, Frank Howard had a great game. His, his ACC season high in assists, uh, you know, wasn't turning the ball over. He scored enough. Um I mean, here's a question I'll ask. Did you get the feeling that Tyus Battle could have named his point total yesterday? Because I got that feeling. I got the feeling that he was getting more or less whatever he wanted. Right? Like, more or less, he was getting the shots he wanted. He was able to get to the basket. Bryant Crawford certainly couldn't guard him. Uh, you know, and, and they weren't having much more success when Brandon Childress or Keyshawn Woods slid, slid over. What, what's Tyus' strength? In, in my opinion, Tyus' strength, in my opinion, Tyus' strength is he can score all three levels. He can hit the three, he can, he's got the mid-range game, and he can get to the basket. And when, when you have it all working together, that's what happens. He got off to a fast start. He hit his first three. He went, Three for four from three-point range. He was hitting the pull-up jumper, the runners in the lane. He was certainly getting to the free-throw line, went 11 for 13, and he was getting to the basket. And when you have that three going and they need to come out and they they need to, you know, you if you could keep him honest with that three-point shot, if you tie us battle, we know he could put the ball on the floor and beat, you know, pretty much anybody who was on him. So the fact that he, he hit his first three and the fact that he was dialed in from long distance as well, yeah, you can name your point total when you've got – that amount of skill, that ability to score on all three levels, and when you got it going at all three levels, they could not stop him. And I think another uh, a really important factor in his game and in Syracuse's game overall uh, was getting to the free throw line. And Jim Beheim said this after the game yesterday, but he, he said they won the game because of the free throw line. Uh, but they got to the free throw line 39 times. That's incredible. And and if you're going to get to the line 39 times, it doesn't matter that you only take 12 threes, right? We know this team's not a very good three-point shooting team. They shot 50% yesterday, they only shot 12 threes. But we, we understand this is not that that's not the strength of this team. So instead they drove, instead they got to the line. O'Shea Brissett back up to 10 free throw attempts. Uh, Tyce Battle up to 13. Frank Howard, although he missed more than half of them, up to 10 free throw attempts too. 
you know, that that's where this team is best, driving to the basket, making plays off of that, and getting to the line. And I think that they got away from that a lot. And and we had the stat, uh, you had the stat about O'Shea Brissett, where he had only shot seven, uh, nine free throws nine over free throws five games. Nine free five-game stretch, right. And, you know, now he's at 10. You know, he was at eight or 10 in, in the Louisville game. Uh, that's what he's got to do because that's the strength of his game right now. And it seems like he's gotten back to a point where he was comfortable in ACC play, going to the basket and making plays that way, uh, you know, making layups or, or making, uh, you know, these kinds of plays where he's getting fouled and getting to the basket. And you know what? He only went three for 11, but he adds eight at the free throw line, and all of a sudden he's at 15 points, and the stat line looks nice. And this was not a case where the referees called it extremely tight and it turned into a free throw shooting contest both ways. Uh, Wake Forest had a grand total of 14 free throw attempts. Ty's battle by himself had 13. Syracuse committed 12 fouls in the game. Wake Forest committed 26. This was very much a case of Syracuse on the attack on the offensive end, getting to the basket and drawing those fouls. And they played smart on the other end, and they had to because they were down to five and a half healthy bodies. It was Sidibe coming off the bench, and he gave him some some quality minutes, but obviously he's not 100%. Gave him 17 minutes, though. Matthew Moyer unexpectedly did not play. You were down to five healthy bodies, and then whatever Barama Sadibe could give you. And he, you know, again, he gave you some quality minutes. Brandon uh, Bear came in for, you know, four minutes to to spell Dolajai when he got into a little bit of foul trouble. Um, but that was so important, right? To stay out of foul trouble. And Syracuse was able to do that, but also maintain their aggressiveness on the offensive end of the court. And and that was a big difference in the game. The fact they got to the free throw line so much. Yeah, I mean, it was really only Dolajai who got into foul trouble for those four minutes in the first half. And and I think that this team, and when you when you look at it, especially if Moyer's not going to be able to play, they need to stay out of foul trouble because you don't want Braden Bayer playing many minutes, right? It, not that he did anything wrong uh, in yesterday's game, but, you know, he, he he's not Dolajai. He's not Moyer, uh, you know, and... and We've seen that at times Moyer and Dolajai have looked flustered over the course of this schedule, and and Bayer's not at that level right now. So you don't want him to play too many minutes, but he he held his own yesterday. Uh, the team did really well, I thought, to stay out of foul trouble. Uh, if Sidibe is going to be able to get you, give you fifteen minutes a night, you take it, right? He scored four points. Uh, he he got a couple of rebounds. You, you take it. Right? No doubt. I mean, there's no there's doubt. nothing more you can ask of him other than, hey, give us 15 minutes. Let us get let us get Chukwu a breather once in the first half, once in the second half, and that's all we need from you. And they, play I mean, play they, decent and hold your own. They needed him. I mean, with no Matthew Moyer, they would have been down to to five guys or five regulars anyway. I know again, Braden Bear came in off the bench for a few minutes, but you would have been down to to five regulars if Sadibe couldn't go. He was able to give him 17 minutes. He, he looked good when he was out there, and and again, you hope that. With a, a shorter turnaround, he essentially just has two days off, Monday and Tuesday, and then they play again Wednesday. So you hope that he's okay and, and ready to go in time for Wednesday. But uh, they certainly needed him uh, with Moyer out. I, I was Can encouraged. we talk about the Moyer thing later on? No, we've yes, got to hit a break. We do. Point, we have to get to Coach Autry. It's um, weird. Yeah, we could get to the, the Moyer situation later on. i tell you what, though. Um, I was encouraged by what I saw last week. That was a very good week. It goes without saying for this team to beat Louisville on the road and the way they did it, and then to beat Wake Forest. And even though Wake Forest shot lights out and they had enough to hang on down the stretch, and offensively in both games they looked good, they looked fluid, they looked efficient. Um, they're not going to look like that every night. We know that, but maybe they're starting to figure some things out on the offensive end. We'll ask Coach Autry about that next. Keep it here. Orange Nation just getting started on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. 
Hour number two underway on ESPN Radio. Again, we've got the Adrian Autry Show set for you tonight, live from Stratomia, 7 to 8 o'clock here on the FM dial. And then Seth has uh, Bishop Blood and Bishop Grimes, high school boys basketball on the AM dial. Tip time for that one set. For about 7.15. I feel like we're basically like your home for Ludden basketball. We've been there. It feels like we've been there every week. This will be the third Ludden game we've had on the last yeah, two weeks? I think so. It's a good matchup. Regular season finale and, uh, you know, another rivalry game. You, you had a heck of a rivalry game last week. We did. Went, went down to the wire uh, in overtime. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun one. The, the game on Friday uh, was a good one as well at, at Liverpool. Or at Beville. Beville and Liverpool. Liverpool's good. They're really good. Liverpool is going to be tough to beat. Um, but Ludden might be on that short list of teams that might be able to do it come sectional uh, time, and uh, we're going to be talking playoffs here uh, before too long. End of the week, we'll be into uh, the Section 3 playoffs, but we continue the college basketball talk now as we go back to the phone lines. Pat and Syracuse kicking off hour number two. Hey, Pat. Hey, how do you know we're going to talk college baskets? How do you know we're not going to talk the Winter Olympics? <laughs> do, you have, because... do you have a big curling take for us? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll leave that to Brent Axe, I guess, and that's uh, that's that's where we'll leave that. I got two separate quick topics. The first one is uh, I agree with the, most of what you guys said about the Moyer and Bayheim thing. The one thing I do disagree with is I, I think um, Bayheim has no filter, and um, I think if he had to do it all over again, because you guys said you know as most people when when, when they say stuff they, they they have a meaning behind it, a purpose behind it. I just think he got. Ask the question, and he is the most one of the most honest people you're you're gonna you're gonna find in this town. He just he just I think he should have kept it in. I think we all agree on that. But I I don't think it was calculated, and you know I, I just think that that was a bad look. Um, and I can tell you for for a certainty, um, some of his comments over the past years with uh, Chris McCullough, but more specifically Tyler Roberson, it has cost us specifically one or two recruits, and I and, and I know that for a fact. So he just needs to pipe down. But having said that, this is not a this is not an anti Bayheim call. I loved his fire and his his fight in that game. Um, he he looked 15 years younger. I mean, I loved it. I was more encouraged. It's pretty sad when he has more energy um, than than 90 percent of our fan base that goes to these games and is on their phone and will ch- stand up for T-shirts, but not for a big defensive possession. But I digress on that. Um, in terms of the tournament. It's going to be very interesting how these quadrants. Um, I don't know. Did you guys hear Jay Billis? And he ripped these quadrants and said they were yeah. pretty much ridiculous. And I didn't catch the whole. I didn't catch the whole segment. I was kind of in and out of it. But uh, from, from what I understand, if Jay Billis doesn't like it, then guess what? I don't like it. And I, I, I think you can look at Buffalo. You know, beating Buffalo at at home. You know, can fluctuate from a quadrant one to a quadrant two. And then, you know, there's just so many things that just seem out of balance. Um, but at, at the end of the day, we, we got to get three more wins. And I think if we play the way we did against Wake Forest, I think that Wake Forest team last, last night, that team that played, would have beaten every team in the conference. I firmly believe that. They would have beat Virginia with those threes. Um, I, I was more worried about Wake Forest than NC State or North Carolina, and here's why. They, they got a big man inside that we just can't deal with, and he proved that. And they have three shooters on the floor um, that have extended deep range. And, and there's a difference. You know, Miami's got some shooters, but they don't, they don't step out as far. Um, NC State, they, they got some shooters, but I'm not as concerned about them. They, 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 their offense is going to struggle against the zone. I really believe that we beat NC State by double digits. So 
Um, big time win, two in a row. Um, this is why, you know, I know there's people listening right now. This is why you don't give up on your team. Um, Seth, you did a great job. You are in the business, so you, you can be critical. And, you know, you're, you're not speaking as a fan, so I have no problem with you, you know, based on what you saw, saying what you said. It, it was 100% right. But as a fan, you don't give up on your team. You don't choose to watch soccer or, or you know, go to the mall instead of watch your team play. You stick with your team, and that's the bottom line. And you know who I'm talking to. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you checking in, Pat. Um, yeah, essentially what Jay Billis said, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, he, he made the comparison to that there's something not right about you. if you beat Virginia, it counts the same as if you beat Ryder on the road. And his point was the the top 75 on the road. That's a big, that's that a, a big window. It yeah. is a big window. I mean, you beat you know an elite team at home. You beat Nova or Virginia. That counts the same as if you know, and he used Ryder, who I again, well, I guess, was in the seventies in, in RPI. If at the Syracuse time he said goes that. and beats Boston College in Chestnut Hill, right. it might be doesn't that doesn't seem right though? No. Correct, right? I mean, you, you Boston know. College, Boston College is what further off the bubble than Syracuse, right? Well, yeah. I mean, like you know what I mean, but like, but that would be a quadrant one win. Like it, it's just weird to me, you know. Syrac- Syracuse is a quadrant one win for all these teams coming into the well, dome, and, and so. That's why. Listen, I, I don't mind the fact that the committee is is giving more emphasis and placing a priority oh, on winning all. away from home. Like I get that. I get that. You know, Syracuse last year. One of the the major weaknesses with that resume was they beat NC State and Clemson away, and that was it. And the you know the tournament's not played you know in your home venue. It's played at neutral sites, and they but won a grand total of two 50 games on the road. Well, right. So I'm I'm fine if you want to place an emphasis on that. Um, but at the end of the day. Like the committee has to use its judgment and its common sense, and you know the eye test that we talk about. Because to Jay Bills's point, beating Ryder on the road is not the same as beating Villanova or Virginia on your home court. It's just not; those two teams are better. So I think you have to take into account there has to be some common sense, right? I mean, you can use this as you know a jumping-off point, and you look at each resume, and then you know for the teams that are close, you delve deeper into the resume, and you you look at as you keep pointing out. Syracuse needs enough road wins that they don't delve deeper and look at who those road wins right. are against. Like you, you, you need to get you know whatever it is a half a dozen so that they're not looking at it saying, "Well, you oh, only beat okay, a, you only beat Clemson who wasn't very good and NC State who quit." Right. Oh, you beat Georgetown. Okay, you know they're they're not that great. you know it, you want to have enough wins away from home that that it doesn't really matter. And and I and I totally get what you're saying. Now the Louisville one goes a long way toward, right. toward helping your and cause look, on that. At, you're at four of them now. Like if you pick up one more, is that enough so that nobody? cares probably right like if you beat boston college or miami this week on the road like that's probably enough if you beat both of them that's definitely enough and you know if you beat both of them uh you may just have a good enough resume to get yourself into the tournament yeah so you've got uconn georgetown Pitt, um and louisville we're all away from the dome and the louisville one's a really good win Pitt's not good uconn's not good georgetown's not good um but again, to your point, if you can pick up that one at BC, and now it's a now it's a handful, and, and UConn, now, you, now you don't have to worry about UConn's it. UConn's a quadrant two game, right? And just like the RPI, these metrics can be molded a little bit, shall we say, to make your case. In mid December, in mid December, if I told you one of the two George, one of the two games, UConn and Georgetown was going to be quadrant two, and one was going to be quadrant three, would you have believed me if I told you UConn would be quadrant two no. while Georgetown was sitting in quadrant three and no. like low on the list? Like, l- take a look at at where Georgetown is in comparison to the other on the list. 
you've got BC, Iona, Wake Forest, George at Georgia Tech, and Oakland all ahead of Georgetown on that list. Um, and that was a true road game. The UConn was a was neutral tr- exactly. site. So, no, I would not have believed yeah. you. Um, and look, I didn't think Georgetown was very good, and I thought that they were getting by by beating some bad teams. But I didn't think that they were going to fall as maybe as far in the metrics as they did. Granted, they, they were never very high in the metrics. I think right. the metrics saw through what they were doing. All right, let's go uh, back to the phone lines. Uh, Brandon and Manlius up next on Orange Nation. Hey, Brandon. Hey, guys. Uh, quadrant one, two, three. <clears throat> Doesn't matter at this point. I think they got to find a way to get the 20 wins. Obviously, beating Duke and Carolina would go a lot further than NC State's of the world. But Mike, the reason I wanted to call was regarding Matthew Moyer. Was that – I forget. Was, was Jim Beheim the one who said he was at 60% or did he say he was at 60%? Jim Beheim said, said he that said, Moyer said yeah. he was at 60%. So it, it, the words came out of Jim Beheim's mouth. He was – Paraphrasing what Moyer told him before the game—that's my understanding of what that he was. That's what I thought. Yeah, he he said Moyer came to me. He said he was sixty percent. I would have taken that. You know, his dad told him not to play. And I, I mean, again, I'm paraphrasing, but that was essentially what what the soundbite was. Yeah, no, definitely. And if that's the case, and he actually said that today, I'm having a hard time being a Matthew Moyer teammate on this team. You are so unbelievably shorthanded. You have to win every game you can. You need bodies more than you ever have this year, and you're going to take the game off because you're at 60%. That's why, did he say or did Bayheim kind of come up with a 60%? Because if I'm Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, those guys, and I'm out there killing myself, I'm not exactly looking to be buddy-buddy with Matthew Moyer today who decided to take the game off because he was at 60% now. Maybe he was hurt way, way more than that, but... Uh, to me, I, I just don't think it's a good look for him at all. I think you have to have bodies on the court. You could have used them for uh, give these guys a quick rest. And, you know, from a teammate perspective, I, I wouldn't be too enthusiastic at this point if I was those guys right now. Yeah, I mean, look, he would have played the the, the Braden Bayer minutes and, and then some, right? Because if, if you had Matthew Moyer instead of Braden Bayer, well, I bet you would have let Moyer finish out the half rather than uh, rushing to bring Dolajai back in. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that you could be too happy if you're a Moyer teammate. And uh, I, I find th- that's why I find this whole thing fascinating. Like Jim Beheim said, hey, I'll take you at 60%. Like, just play for me because 60% of you was, was enough of what we needed to win that game on Monday night. It'll be enough tonight. And, and that's why I find the whole thing so interesting. All right. I'm not going to take sides on this. Um and again, we don't know that Matthew Morris said sixty percent. That was what Jim Beheim said in the press conference. I, I will, yes. I will say this, and I'm not. Listen, I'm not picking sides at all. Jim Beheim said that for a reason. To me, again, my opinion, my opinion. I think he said that because he was a little bit irritated that. Matthew Moyer got advice from his dad, and and he feels as though he didn't play because his dad told him not to play. So I, I think Beheim was irritated, and I think he said that at the press conference. As for Matthew Moyer, we all saw that injury, right, against Boston College. We saw the yeah, way that, that he came down. Okay, Severely sprained ankle, that's that's our understanding. He he missed one game. Yeah. He, came, he came back against Georgia Tech, and he played two minutes. He didn't have it. They, they wanted to see if he, he could barely run. So... To question his desire to play, and I'm not picking sides. Like, Beheim wants him to play. The team needs him to play. Matthew Moyer wants to play. He sat out all of last year. He came back from a severely sprained ankle in a week, played two minutes. Again, my opinion, my guess is that he got some advice from his dad or family or whoever it may be. Listen, Matt, you're not yourself right now. You're only going to be yourself if you get healthy. The only way to get healthy is by resting in a little bit, and the more you go out there, you're not going to get healthy because, you know, when you play on a severely sprained ankle, you're 
going to continue to be sore, get healthy, and then come back and be Matthew Moyer. That is my guess of what happened. Coach wasn't happy about it. He listened to his dad. But to, but to suggest that Matt doesn't want to play, like I, I don't want to go there because of course he wants to play. He sat out all of last year. He came back from that ankle in a week. Like He did everything possible to get back on the court. And, and let's just see how this whole thing plays out. And before we pick sides and say, well, Bayheim's right or Moyer's right or his dad shouldn't get, be getting involved, you just hope that the kid gets better and gets to the point where he can go out and, and help this team. And hopefully that's sooner rather than later. I think that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants yes. to see him on the court. And my point is, Matt included. Like, Matt wants to play. So to suggest that he doesn't, and I'm not taking this out on Brandon. I mean, this is a difficult situation because we have one side of it, We have and there's three parties and involved, right? The other there's two. Matt, there's Matt's dad, and there's and there's Jim Beheim. And Jim Beheim said what he said, and the other two have not responded. Matt wasn't in the locker room when media was in, in, allowed in, and obviously we haven't heard from Matt's dad. My point is, is like I don't. I'm not sure we need to pick sides. He didn't play. They won the game. He's resting. Maybe he's back Wednesday, and and if he is, then then this becomes a non-issue, and we're not talking about this anymore. Yeah, and look, I I, I understand the frustration. I understand the reason why Jim Beheim is annoyed. I understand why he's annoyed that Matthew Moyer doesn't think he can go because yeah, he came back quickly. He came back in in a week from that injury that they said was a severe sprain and he only played two minutes in that Georgia Tech game but you know what he played 19 in the Virginia game didn't do much of anything and Jim Beheim called him out for it after the game but then he played 13 minutes and he was able to spell you know Dolajai and he was able to spell Chukwu in that game when he didn't have Sidibe and so I can understand why after playing two games where you played double digit minutes you're frustrated when the guy comes to you after a week off or a week from game competition off where he's been practicing and says sorry I can't play today like I, I I totally understand where that frustration is coming from on Jim Beheim's side look he played 19 minutes he played 13 minutes two days later he practiced the last three days he was going at it and and doing all right and then on the day of the game he says hey I can't go like I, I get why you would be annoyed by that I get why you would want to take your frustrations out on that right and especially especially given that Maybe Barama Sidibe was healthy. Maybe not. Maybe Barama got pushed to play because maybe. Matt wasn't. Maybe you know, and 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 you just don't know what you've got if Matt's not going to play. I understand the frustration. I guess my point in is in all this. Let's not suggest Matt doesn't want to play, or let's not suggest that you know he let his teammates down. And it, we don't know. We don't know. We're not in his skin. We don't know how bad that injury is. We don't know. We don't know what he's dealing with. And he came back in a week. He tried to play. It hasn't gone well the last couple of games. He needed a little more time, or at least that's what he thinks. That's what he said. And let's see what happens. But, you know, yes, I understand why Jim Beheim is frustrated. I understand why fans are frustrated. But let's not suggest that Matthew Moyer doesn't want to play. I'm sure the kid wants to play more than anyone and wants to get out there and help his team. And, you know, we'll have to see whether or not that happens on Wednesday. We're desperately uh, in need of a timeout. We're up against the clock. We're back after this. Phone lines remain open. Give us a call, 437-7644. Back after this. Every Tuesday, Syracuse assistant coach Jerry McNamara takes us inside the orange on the Daniel Baldwin Show, brought to you by Drivers Village and Burdick BMW. On the pulse of the orange, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen, Seth, back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. Phone lines remain open at 315-437-7644. I said I wanted to get back to 
you know, the resume that you laid out, and, and you did such a great job with your color-coded wins and losses. How, that much, I had easier, in me. how much easier is this to read than the bogged-down team sheet oh, it's that great. was put out? It's great. So, obviously, this is radio, so I know our listeners cannot uh, I will see. Hold it, I'll hold it up to our Facebook live camera you for can all see the it people on Facebook, watching there. But, uh, so, he, he split up a piece of paper into four quadrants, put their record and who they played, won and lost in each quadrant. The, the losses are in red sharpie. The wins are in, are in green sharpie it was a brilliant idea seth oh thanks um i so think yes, i'll do this is, like weekly ish well so it is it's very easy to read you can just add to it every time they play just add no to i it. don't have or, room well, I gotta... <laughs> make room make a little notation you should see that was your I, one mistake you should have made the quadrants pa- bigger well i needed a bigger um, piece of paper i should have gotten a bigger pad in any event good job with the creativity um you look at their resume though and you you've laid it out strength of schedule 34 bpi 49 uh, Ken Pop forty six RPI thirty eight. You look at the fact that they're six and six in conference play now. You look at the fact they really don't have any bad losses. They have one in quadrant three, and that was at Georgia Tech. They're eleven and one in quadrants three and four. The one loss was at Georgia Tech fifty five fifty one. Which again, I don't think you're going to no. get crushed for a loss on the road. They're very good in quadrant two. They're five and three in that quadrant, uh, and then. Again, even quadrant one, which is one and four, you got the win at Louisville. The other ones, like losing twice to Virginia and Kansas on a neutral site, again, you, you, that's not going to hurt you at all. If anything, it helps you with strength of schedule. And then they lost at Florida State in, no, in double but, overtime. But they do need to pick up another, Correct. I, I think, two I think, in that quadrant the, re- the rest of the again, way. I strongly believe that it does not matter where these wins come, if you get to nine and nine and you go 11 and two in non conference and you're 500 in the, in the toughest conference in the country, I, I think you're in. And I guess that was that was my point, is that present day, like if Selection Sunday was tonight, do you think they're in? And I don't we, know. We don't have to debate this. We, I mean, we can, and, and you know, we can get back to it if you want. I personally think that they are in at this moment. I think if Selection Sunday was tonight, I think they're in. Six, again, 500 conference plays, six and six, and, and they don't have any bad losses. I think they have enough on this resume to get in. It would be close as of today. But the good thing is, is they have opportunities, and that is the point going down the stretch. They might have five quadrant one opportunities, depending on what happens with BC, down the stretch. And so they've had five games all season long to this point in right. quadrant one. Now you might have five the rest of the way. Here's the only reason I would hesitate. They fattened up on the bottom half of their, their schedule, right? They, they got 11 of their 17 wins against quadrant three and four teams. And, and look, I think that's what everybody does. Uh, but I, I really think they can use another couple of no wins doubt. in Quadrant 1. No doubt. Beat Boston College and have that up there. Like I, I think you've got to get closer to 5. And right now, they're I don't know. I know they're only 6 and 7 in Quadrant 2 and 3. But I, th- I think if you could push that a little bit further, you're going to have five ga- uh, six games left, and they're all going to be against Quadrant 2 or 3 teams, I, I believe. Everybody's uh, RPS in the two. top 100. Right. So I, I think they're all Quadrant 1 or 2 games at this yes, point. correct. So... You know, go and and split them. Win, go go with a winning record over the over the rest of these games. I, I think they've got to do something to make that look a little bit better. Give me three more wins. I think it's enough. I don't think it matters who it's against. I don't, I really don't. I think I think at some point it does. When and no, this it does. Isn't but, not, but given this the, the rest of their schedule, they're going to beat a good team. Beat they, good teams. Yes, if they win three games, they're going to beat a good team. So I don't think you have to at worry about it one. too much. Yes, I, I mean NC State right now is a tournament team. So even that one where we say, well, beat NC State, BC, and any of the other ones, NC State at this point, and I know their RPI isn't going to knock you over. What are they in the fifties in their RPI? That's that's yeah. a tournament team right now. 
They, they've got four major wins on their resume. That's a tournament team. If it, it, as again, right now, NC State's in the field. That's a pretty good win. And then you would pick up a very good win in order to get to nine and nine. Let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, Rick in the car up next on Orange Nation. Hey, Rick, how are you? Hello. What, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. Uh, talking about Matt Moyer. Um, you know, to, to come back as quick as he did from an ankle like that um, was kind of amazing to begin with. But I just wondering if maybe him or maybe it comes from his father that they may see the writing on the wall for next year with the recruiting class coming in and that he seems to be Bayheim's whipping boy this year. Maybe he's thinking about leaving, and he wants to be healthy. Well, Rick, I, you know that that is speculation. I, I think no if, idea. I mean, yeah. right? No idea. Um, that would be pure speculation on your part. Um, I, I don't really know what's going on. I guess, like I said, I I don't want to pick sides on this. My feeling is Matt Moyer wants to play. He wants to be healthy, and he wants to play, and he wants to contribute. And Jim Beheim wants him to play and his dad wants like everybody wants him to play just it's a case right now of whether or not he's healthy enough to and obviously he felt like yesterday he wasn't so before we pick sides and we blame his father or blame him or he's not a good teammate or why did coach Bayham say what he said I kind of want to let this one breathe is that okay Seth like I want to yeah, let it breathe I, until the NC I State game and, yeah. and just see if he plays if Jim Bayham follows up his comments from yesterday with something else after the game just let I think we should let this one breathe. Yeah. I, I mean, yes. Uh I wanna know more. I, well, so I wanna I. know I wanna know what's going on here because it just it just doesn't feel right. Like I, I guess that's my my bottom line. Like I wanna know what's going on here because something just feels off about this whole thing. Right? Like something feels off here uh about this whole Matthew Moyer situation. Um I, I just wanna know more about it. One one thought on, on bracketology. Before I know we have to take a break. Uh, you said, well, NC State's a tournament team right now. Um, bracket matrix that takes all the brackets, right, and throws them together. Uh, as of right now, Syracuse, one of the last four teams in NC State, first team out. Lenardi had NC State as a nine seed like a week ago. I'm just telling you no, what I... No, I know. I'm, I, just it, telling you what I can tell you. That's now fine. he has them as an 11, as one of the last four teams in. So, okay. you know what? I, it, it, I think that Syracuse and NC State are very much in, in a, a similar position... Uh, resume wise, for Listen, for whatever reason, they've they've got far better wins. If this was Selection Sunday, I'd put I, them in over I, Syracuse. Yeah, that, and that's my point. Is you look at those resumes, they're both six and six in the toughest conference in the country. You you look at who they've beaten: Arizona, Duke, North Carolina. Um, to me, I mean, NC State would would win that tiebreaker if it if it if it came down to those two teams. RPI is is twenty spots worse. Strength of schedule thirty spots worse. And they've got a plus one fifty loss. Well, SU's loss was what one thirty something to Georgia Tech. Yeah, I mean they're close. And, they're cl- and, and they're if you're going to break the tie, you go to who have you beaten? In my opinion, right. And NC State's got oh, some w- really I impressive wins. And now, if you them, beat them head to head, then that flips the tiebreaker. Right? And one of them on the road, one of them on a neutral court. So. And that's where the common sense comes in. Like we can break right. down the quadrants and the you know they lost to a Which bad team. team is better, right? Or has the better resume right now? In my opinion, NC State's got the better resume now. Syracuse can flip the script on that uh, Wednesday night inside the Carry Dome. We do need to take another time out. We'll get to today's business on the other side. Keep it here. Orange Nation rolls on right after this.